Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by J.J. Cooper to break down game two of the World Series today. The Rays evened up the series with a 6-4 to four win. Brandon Lau, two home runs. Blake Snell, four and two-thirds hitless innings before running into a little bit of trouble. But the Rays never trailed. They were in the lead the whole way a day after the Dodgers looked, frankly, kind of invincible in game one. Now the series is tied 1-1. J.J., what was your biggest takeaway from game two and the Rays getting that first World Series win? It was, this is the game that the Rays absolutely had to have this one, but I'm t- as I think you said on the podcast yesterday, but at the same time, it also felt to me, this was always the game that I thought the Rays had a really good shot of winning. The Rays had Blake Snell on the mound, who you, you kind of know what you're going to get, and it's pretty good what you're going to get from Blake Snell. You're going to get very effective pitching, a lot more nibbling than you probably want to watch, you know, a few more walks ideally than you would want, and he's not going to go seven or eight innings deep into the game. It never happens. But he's going to likely walk off the mound, having put himself in and his team in position to win the game. And we had that against the, the ever-shuffling uh, chorus of, of Dodgers pitchers. This was the advantageous matchup for the Rays. They got the W they needed to get. But if I'm the Dodgers, I also look at this and say, this was always the game we were most likely to lose. We will sacrifice this one. This one was kind of lost once game seven happened in the, uh, in the NLCS sacrifice this one and feel really good about our chances in game three with Walker Buehler on the mound. Feel really good about your chances in game four with Julio Urias on the mound, likely and go from there. And if you win those next two, which you feel good about your chances, at that point, you're sitting there, okay, we're up 3-1. We've got this. Our lineup's good enough. We've got this. I, I feel like it was much more important for the Rays to win this one. If I'm the Dodgers, I don't feel all that disturbed that this series is 1-1 in my mind. Yeah, I mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. I, I really, truly felt like if the Rays did not get game two, I did not see a path to victory for them. So if you're down 2-0 with Walker Bueller looming and Charlie Morton's a great big game pitcher. So he would keep you in it, but Walker Bueller in big games, especially in, in the postseason, is pretty much unstoppable. You know, then you're looking at going down three Oh, and it, it's just, it's not a good situation. The Rays had to have this one. I felt like, and again, I know it's cliche to declare anything must win. That isn't an elimination game, but just the way you map this one out, they had to have it. And given that starting pitching edge, given your Cy Young award-winning aces on the mound against a rookie on three days rest in what you know is going to be a bullpen day, you had to have it. And give the Rays credit. Brandon Lau, who, you know, we talk about Randy Rosarena being this postseason revelation. He's been an absolute star this postseason. But Brandon Lau is the guy who is the best player on this Rays team from an offensive side, just looking at, the sample size, the career track record. He was an all-star as a rookie in 2019. He was the MVP favorite in the American League this year through the first half of the season. Now, later down the line, Jose Abreu, Jose Ramirez, and a couple other guys jumped him. But Brandon Lau is, is a bona fide young star in this league. He just doesn't get the attention he deserves. For him to come out, homer right away in the first, get a big two-run homer in the fifth, with really that was the blow that proved decisive with the way the final score played out. That was huge. Blake Snell stepped up, did what he should have done, 
Brandon Lau stepped up, did what he should have done. You know, the Rays standouts stepped up and won them the game that they had to have. And again, you give the players credit. I thought Kevin Cash managed that game beautifully. You give everyone involved credit for building a team that's resilient, that's aware, that's confident. You know, both Snell and Lau said in the post-game press conferences yesterday, they didn't really feel the pressure. They didn't really feel like, oh my gosh, we have to win this one after losing game one. They were confident. They believed in their abilities. They went out and performed and, and just give everyone credit all the way around. The Rays got the performances they needed from their big-time guys. And the, the Lally, you made a good point. I, the reality of it is, is if the Rays are going to win the World Series, it, Brandon Lau needs to be one of their key players. They don't have – this is not a team of stars. He's one of the closest things they have to a star. He's one of the better power hitters in the American League this year. He was their best power hitter during the regular season, and he's looked utterly lost at times at the plate. Not just the fact he had two homers, but the fact he had two homers, and both of them, one of them was opposite power alley, one of them was really even more opposite field, left field. That's encouraging also because it's, he not only didn't look lost, he had two, two home runs last night, but he also was having better swings. That's, you know, if he'd have yanked both of those right down the line, in right field, I'd have been a little more concerned, like, okay, he had a good game, but he's not getting his swing back. I thought like that, that was a sign that he has his swing back a little bit, which is encouraging for the Rays for the the remainder of this series, because they need him. Again, they don't have a whole lot of big thumpers in this lineup. They need him to be a big thumper. That said, I, I, we all like, again, I don't want to, pile on what everyone has already written, you know, coming out of yesterday. We all know that I don't think anyone looks at what the Dodgers did as far as their pitching yesterday and says, that's what you want to do in game two of the world series. And, but at the same time, as I kind of said, the game seven, I don't know what their best option was yesterday because ideally in an ideal situation, you wanted to say, okay, Tony Gonsolin or Dustin May, this is your game. Get us at least 12, 15 outs. But the problem with that is, is the way you use those guys in the NLCS meant you, it's probably not fair to expect that of, out of either of them. These are guys who had pitched. These were not coming on full rest. They weren't coming close to full rest. So with that being the case, this always felt like, I mean, this was basically preordained to be the bullpen game for the Dodgers almost from the end of the NLCS. Like, is there, you, you follow this team all year. Is there another scenario that they could have done for this game that would have been a, a better scenario to get them to the sixth inning? Because I'm struggling to come up with one, especially without, I, again, I, don't, I think they're wise not to use Walker Bueller on short. I think they're wise to give Julio Uris say, you're our game four starter. We're going to not basically break that, you know, glass in case of emergency until game four, get the rest of this series set up. But was there any better option they had for this game? No, this is the position they put themselves in. And, you know, I've talked so much about the only team that can beat the Dodgers is themselves. And this is kind of the type of stuff I talked about unnecessarily using both May and Gonsolin in game seven, set them up for failure in game two of the world series. They did not need to use Dustin May. And again, some of this is also Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin have just not pitched well. So that's a part of it too. But 
Yeah, look, I mean, this is this is the way they chose to do things. It was a mistake. They really kind of set this up as soon as they used Dustin May as their starter slash you know, opener in game three, the NLDS. That was a day when just let Gonsolin start and get him some work because Gonsolin at that point had it pitched in a while. That was going to be their best option for success and setting them up the rest of the way. They chose to use May as an opener on, on a day's rest. And then they went ahead and did the same thing the NLCS. I mean, they, they kind of set themselves up this way and this is the path they chose and they just kind of have to roll with it. But you're right. The smartest thing they did was say, you know what, this game is lost. We're not using Julio Urias here. Let's just save him for game four. It was the right call, but it was, that was going to be the right call going into today's game or yesterday's game. I should say, no matter what happened, you're right. The Dodgers, you still feel good about how this lines up. You have Walker Bueller going in game three. You have Julio Urias going in game four. And you'll have Clayton Kershaw on full rest in game five. You like how it sets up. But no, there, there was no scenario where the Dodgers could really have done something different. This was the bed they made with the way they set their pitching up. This is what they kind of have to live with. And now they just got to bounce back. But again, I for me, this is more about the Rays had to win. They went out and did everything they needed to do. And thus their world series hopes are still legitimately alive in my book. And the other thing, if I'm the Rays, I look at this and say, there's a possibility that the Dodgers don't have a good answer for game six either. Like now the one thing I'll say for, for game six is they can actually use Tony Gonsolin or Dustin May in game six as an honest-to-goodness starter, which I do think is better than the, what, they, what they did in, in Game 2. They, they, will, they will have had enough rest. And by the way, also, which the key part of that, though, is, is if that's going to be the case, if Tony Gonsolin's going to be your Game 6 starter, okay, don't use him in Game 3, Game 4. You know, like, just let him set aside. He didn't go that long in Game 2. Game 6, you would have regular rest. If they don't do that, though, if, if this is the same plan that they have for games, and by the way, I think it's Gonsolin, not May. Neither of them have pitched that great in the postseason. But the thing to me that stands out about the two is, is I just don't know right now what Dustin May has as a weapon against lefties. I, I think that he's better right now used as a reliever if you can pick your spots because you want to pick a spot for him where he's not going to face a whole lot of lefties. I think he's right now, you know, he's been all year, but he's really much more effective against righties. He doesn't really have a whole whole lot of weapons against lefties. Where Gonsolin, uh, to me, you just say, game six is yours, Tony. That And game six, by the way, if you pitch it well, you're actually going to be out there for longer than an inning or two. That's the most logical thing for them to do. But if they do this again, the Rays have can circle two games on this that they can say, hey, we have a chance to win that one too. The same Look, Dustin May right now is not in a very good place. You see it in his body language on the bench. I mean, the Dodgers have really jacked his roll around. They have not set this kid up for success. And, and that's on them. I've talked about this a lot. But again, this Dodgers team is so talented, they can kind of overcome it. But you're right, with off days back in the World Series, they can start Tony Gonsolin in game six on a regular rest. And they need to treat that as, hey, Tony, we're going to let you go as long as you pitch well. If you can give us four innings, we're going to let you go four innings. If you can give us five innings, awesome. We're going to let you go five innings. The worst thing they could do is stay on this, you know, all right, Gonsolin and May are going to be our bolt guys, and we'll fill in one or two inning spots in between them. They need to get off of that. 
because you're right. If they try and do that again against Blake Snell to potential game six, they're going to lose. And then you're looking at a game seven, most likely. So again, that could all be rendered a moot point if Bueller, Furious, and Kershaw do what they're capable of doing in games three, four, and five. Again, this is just kind of the way the Dodgers set themselves up. They're talented enough to overcome it. And it's just going to come down to how the players perform. Um, I think for me, one of the things that, that really stood out, and I want to circle back to this, is I continue to be impressed by the resilience and the confidence of the Rays. You know, game five against the Yankees, winner take all, it's a tight game the whole way. They stay in it, come up with the big hit on Mike Brasso's homer off a of Roldis Chapman, win the series. Game seven against the Astros, up 3-0, you blow it. Game seven, come out, get an early lead, go on to victory. And again, last night too, I mentioned to Josh on the podcast that the way game one had played out was just how much the Dodgers took it to them. I mean, it it almost felt like, you know, that coronation of, oh, you know, here are the Dodgers, here's their final rise, they're in the World Series, they're rolling, this is going to be the culmination. And the Rays came right back and said, no, they, they took it on the chin a little bit and they came right back and put a stop to that. And I continue to be impressed by this organization's resilience. I continue to be impressed by this organization's ability to just put their foot down and say, hey, we have a game to win. We're going to go win it. And again, I can't give enough credit to the players themselves, to Kevin Cash for the organizational culture he's created within the clubhouse. And then the front office staff and the scouts for the culture they've created and the scouts for assessing the makeup and finding the guys who would be mentally tough and wouldn't fold in a big spot. I think this is an organizational success for the Rays. That's a big reason why I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with here over the next few years. I mean, the American League's best record, they're in the World Series, that the game's number one farm system. They have talent. As I wrote in the story today, just saying, oh, look at them, scrap the underdogs, shortchanges their talent. They have young all-stars. They have a Cy Young Award winner. They have really good players. It was the best team in the AL. Not, I mean, not even like a debate. This is the best team in the American League. I still think the Dodgers are better, but that is, this is not a team that somehow figured out a, a perfect combo for the month and got to the World Series. This is a team that's utterly earned this every step of the way. No question. So it was a really, really good win for them. And now we just have to see what happens. JJ, I do want to ask, because I have a thought on this, but we talked a lot about the Rays and the bullpen and the stable and how key they were and how by the end of the ALCS, we started to see them look a little tired. Watching Nick Anderson pitch yesterday, I actually thought that was the best he looked. Now he gave up a home run, but he got out of the jam with Blake Snell with a nasty 96-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, blew it by Justin Turner. I thought that was the crispest he looked. And a big part of it was the Rays smartly stayed away from their big guys in game one. And so now you look at it and say, hey, you know, Anderson, Fairbanks, and Castillo, they're all on at least three days rest. Castillo had an extra day because he didn't pitch in game seven. And to me, I thought that let their guys get rested, get recharged. And, and we saw a little bit better out of Nick Anderson last night. Again, Fairbanks gave up a home run. That's going to happen against this Dodgers lineup. Um, Castillo coming in, getting a quick strikeout. Um, I, I just thought that the, the stable looked better. And that's key for me, the rest that they got with those three or four off days, depending on which player you're talking about. 
I agree. I mean, again, they needed some time, and I think that that is somewhat restorative at this point in the postseason, having that that extended rest where you can, again, one of the things I've railed about how teams develop relievers for years, because to me, one of the things that you should absolutely do, I understand that in the minor leagues, you don't want to wear guys out, get them hurt. That said, you talk to big league relievers, one of the biggest, toughest things they have to figure out when they get to the majors, if they haven't been used on back-to-back days regularly in the minors, if they haven't been on that, you can be used at any moment. Guys who go from starting to relieving talk about, they have to figure out how they can get their lifting in when, as a starter, getting your lifts in during the season is very easy. You have a very fixed schedule. I started, I have my throw days, I can, you know, I can lift in around that. Everything fits perfectly. If you're a reliever, you can't just say, I'm not going to lift. I'm not going to do my strength work during the season and sustain it over the course of the season. But figuring out how to do that, figuring out how to recover when you've gone back to back. And these guys have been used in the playoffs to a level beyond they ever would be in the regular season. That's key that they had that chance to kind of take a deep breath, recover, feel a little better, go back out for the World Series. The other part of it I'll throw in there also, though, is, is that finding – Give Kevin Crash and that, that group credit also. Finding a spot for Aaron Loop to get them three outs in that game. In a close game. This was not a game that was, uh, you know, a blowout or anything like that. But in a game they had to win where if Aaron Loop goes out there and just struggles, you are talking about it's a nightmare situation. You had this game to win and you blew it. But instead, Aaron Loop goes out there. He gets two strikeouts in an inning. And again, you don't want to talk about picking spots. And then in comes Diego Castillo to get the, the final out. But I just thought that was really important too. Because yes, they use their big three. They also, when you talk about picking your spots, they use their big three knowing that they have today to rest and recover. So every, the big three are ready to go again for game three. But that inning of Aaron Loop was also to me very important because I did not expect to see Aaron Loop pitching in the ninth inning with the Rays having a tenuous lead. Yeah, Aaron Loop coming in there, the bottom of the eighth, tying run is is on second base. And to get Cody Bellinger, strikeout to end the inning, going back out, getting Edwin Rios, uh, getting Austin Barnes to fly out, that it was, it was a great, great outing for him. And you're right, it was the right spot for him. And, and he had struggled a little bit in the ALCS, even against some of the lefties. You know, Kyle Tucker kind of wore him out with singles through the left side. So... I mean, yeah, for Aaron Luke to come in and get those key outs was was huge. The other kind of under-the-radar contribution, that the moment, if you will, that I thought really opened some things up for them, Manny Margot's protect swing, two strikes. So it's the fourth inning. The Rays are up one nothing. There's two outs. There's um, there's one on after Randy Rosarena's walk. And Manny Margot just a two-strike protection swing pokes a single through the right side. That keeps the inning going, and Joey Wendell follows with a two-run double. I mean, I thought that was a really nice piece of hitting by Manny Margot. You know, all the cliches of not trying to do too much, protect with two strikes, that's why you do it. It's effective. It's important. If he tries to swing from his shoes there and strikes out, well, it's one nothing. The Dodgers can come back from that deficit pretty easily. I thought he just did a really nice job that kept the inning going, set up the two-run double by Wendell, and – all of a sudden, it's 3 nothing, and the Rays are looking even better than they already were. 
And and Wendell had some good at bats. Obviously, that one was the big one, the 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 double in the gap. But he also had, if I remember right, the sack fly later that uh, that brought in Troy. And when I say sack fly, there are balls where you hit a lazy fly ball, and you're like, oh, that ball will be deep enough to score him. And then there are balls where you hit a fly, you 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 sting a ball, and you're like, that may drop. Oh no, it's not going to drop, but that'll easily score him. That was a stung ball that easily scored a run on sack fly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, there there were a lot of good at-bats. I wrote about that a little bit last night. The Rays had 10 hits, their most since game three, the ALDS. Uh, this offense had been struggling. And again, a lot of it was was non-Randy or Rosarena contributions, which as I wrote about in our World Series preview, they had to have. And they got it. And again, they had a game they had to win. They won it. Now it's 1-1. On to game three, Walker Bueller versus Charlie Morton, two guys who are absolute studs in the postseason. I'm really looking forward to that on Friday night. And we'll see how the rest of this plays out. JJ, any final thoughts? One thing I'll just say from a personal standpoint, I was talking about how I loved how we didn't have days off in the DS and the LCS and how that was great for what it meant for, you know, teams, how they had to use their pitching staffs more like they do in the regular season. That said, from a personal standpoint, I don't mind right now. We've had a month of great baseball. I don't mind having that off day every now and then. Like tonight, much like the, the Rays bullpen, tonight I'm on the East Coast. I'll go to bed early. I'll rest and recover. And I'll be ready for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to be able to go, you know, full bore for three straight. You can, you know, you, I can watch every night. And then I know, you know what? I'll rest and recover on Monday if I have to, too. I want seven games. But I'm not minding that there's going to be a night off where it's like, you know what? I'll be in bed a little early. I still got to get up in the morning. I got kids. I got to, you know, get every, you know, make sure everyone's ready. It's great to have a night to just rest, recover, and let's get everyone reset for, for Friday. If you feel that way, imagine how the players feel. It's been a, a grind this postseason, but uh, we're here and, and we're certainly seeing some great baseball in the World Series. And I know I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, the weekend set of three plays out. Uh, we'll be back to podcast on Monday. So whether there's more games to be played, whether the World Series is over, we will find out then. But uh, as always, we appreciate you listeners here on the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For JJ Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.